Before we jump into this episode, I want to send my condolences out to the Hayward family. As most of you are aware by now, Taylor Hayward passed away in her sleep suddenly a couple weeks ago. So, you know, my heart goes out to their family. There's a GoFundMe right now. There's a link in my bio on the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast Instagram. Pretty much everyone in Rochester has shared that GoFundMe once or twice by now. If you haven't already donated, please do. There's a benefit show coming up on September 5th at Photo City. There's still a few tickets left. Uh, I'll post the flyer for it with this episode. It's like Sirens and Sailors, Purgatory, Borrow Time, Wait We Carry, Missing Link, uh, a bunch of other bands. But honestly, it really doesn't matter what bands are playing. Just buy a ticket and support the show. I'm sure Anthony would do the same for you if you were in this situation. There's also been some raffles going on around town. Uh, Kevin Mahoney, Jeff Knight, and a few other people have been doing them. I'm not sure if they're still going on or not. Um, but regardless, if you haven't already donated to the GoFundMe, make sure you do. The, the link's in a bunch of bios. Um, and again, condolences to the Hayward family. And this episode is obviously dedicated to them. Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. My name is Josh Lyons. I've been listening to Hardcore and Punk since 1995. I have book shows, put out a fanzine, run a record label, and now I'm doing a podcast. This is the Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Before we start this interview, we're going to check out two songs from Derek's bands. The first song's called Marathon, and it's by Dead Hearts, and the second song's called Hourglass, and it's by Old Ghosts.
Welcome to episode 34. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. And make sure you give us a follow on Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. Uh, so today's uh, guest is uh, Derek Dole from Buffalo. Uh, he's played in a bunch of bands you guys are probably familiar with. Well, we'll get to talking about that soon. So uh, how's everything going for you tonight, Derek? Everything's good, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Like we were talking about beforehand, it's a little late uh, now because uh, the way things are going with the kids and stuff now having to put them to bed and stuff. And my son kind of takes his time going to sleep sometimes. So, But, you know, it is what it is. So we're here. So <laughs> For sure. So yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about your bands and you got like a lot of other stuff like we were talking about before we were doing the episode that you do like with like hardcore and punk too. So I'm sure we'll talk about all that, but uh, I guess we'll talk about like your upbringing and stuff like that first. So kind of, you know, give me an idea about that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I grew up in the town I live in now, which is Hamburg, New York, as a uh, South Towns from Buffalo, you know, about 20 minutes out from Buffalo. And uh you know, um, parents divorced pretty early on, so kind of raised, you know, a single parent home. Not that my dad wasn't involved, but he was there, you know, kind of, you know. So that's basically it. I've got uh, two older brothers and a younger sister, so. Nice. Um, so I guess, like, we'll talk about, like, punk and stuff like that in a little bit. Like, what kind of music were you into before that, or, or did you kind of just get into punk, like, you know, pretty young. No, I was definitely into different stuff. Um, like earlier on, I was probably more into like new wave stuff. Um, I, I remember like, you know, liking Devo or like Talking Heads and like, you know, so a lot of the 80s new wave type, type of stuff that, you know, MTV was just starting around and got into all that stuff. And later on, um, you know, my older brother, he was really into hip-hop. And uh, that's kind of, you know, the first time I, I really loved music was, like, some of the stuff that he had. So I remember him buying uh, Public Enemy, A Takes a Nation of a Million to Hold Us Back. And that was definitely, like, the first kind of music I loved. Um I remember the first cassette I bought was Beastie Boys License to Ill. And, uh, but yeah, all that early hip hop stuff was big for me at that time. Yeah. I mean, for me, as I've, I've talked about here on here a lot, obviously rap is like, like definitely the, the thing that I gravitated to more as a younger child. Like I didn't really know much at all about like classic rock or metal or any of that kind of stuff as a kid. Like it wasn't, I guess it wasn't in my house as much either. Like my, my family listened to some like pop music and stuff like that. But like, otherwise, like I just kind of like found rap music and like the kids in my neighborhood listened to it. So that's what I was into as well. And, and Beastie Boys are definitely like one of my favorite bands of all time still to this day. Uh, you know, I definitely saw those guys live a couple of times and they were always a uh, good time. So that's cool. You uh, had that. And that, and that's like, obviously uh, there's obviously a connection there with like Beasties and, and, and even hip hop with like punk and hardcore. So did that kind of like, help you kind of get into it or was like they were more of like a yeah yes yeah yes and no because like um i was a skateboarder so like i was familiar with some punk but i wasn't really into it um until you know a little bit after that so let me think here like 
my brother was probably listening to like hip hop and got me into it around probably 90 or 91. Um, I think I, I got into Beastie Boys before then just because of that video, you know, fight for your right to party or whatever. It was just kind of a, I don't know, kind of iconic thing at that point. And uh, I just remember being probably too young of a kid singing it on like the school bus on the way to school. And I don't know. And there's definitely like a lot of that stuff that I probably shouldn't have been listening to that I got from him. Like, I know like the ghetto boys and, and even like you, he liked two live crew. And I remember getting a hold of some of that stuff. I mean, like I probably shouldn't even been looking at the covers of some of that stuff, you know, yeah. but uh, um, punk, you know, punk and hardcore came in through skateboarding though. And uh, I want to say like, probably around 93 I was more on my radar um like bad religion and like some of that early epitaph stuff was hitting with me a little bit and uh not that I wasn't out of like the rap stuff or anything I still like rap to a degree I like all the early stuff like I don't really follow the new the new uh new things actually anything like post 36 chambers i haven't really listened to you know any yeah. rap and like like 36 chambers was probably like the last thing that i really grasped onto as far as you know rap um but yeah bad religion and like you know down by law like that stuff was they're all in skate videos and i even remember like early skate videos having like operation ivy and there was even a, a vision skateboards video that had uh uniform choice songs in it and um what's agent orange stuff you know stuff like that and at the time it didn't hit with me but now i love all that stuff so yeah i've never gotten super into the skate punk stuff but it's funny you mentioned like like vision and i think of like 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 thrasher magazine a lot too which hasn't really come up on here a lot but like there was always like, I think I've mentioned on here a few times that I tried skateboarding. I couldn't really figure out, like, the <laughs> tricks and shit. So I was just, like, I was always more into, like, playing basketball and, like, sports and shit anyways, I think. So I just kind of left the skateboarding alone. But, like, I, I would look at that magazine, Thrasher, and when I was first getting into, like, punk and stuff, they always had a few pages, you know what I mean? Like, every month where there was bands that, like, I'd never heard of where I kind of would, like, write them down or, like, try to order stuff from, like, different yeah. places. Yeah, earlier on, they had a lot of that they'd always have like some kind of like little mention of some hardcore stuff. And even the ads, I remember seeing like new age record ads, like, you know, probably like 94 ish, you know, around there. Um, but yeah, they'd give away free hardcore records with uh, subscriptions and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there was always that connection there. And even with rap too, like rap was big with, with skateboarding as well. But uh, a lot of the, the like, older kids in Hamburg there was like a pretty big hardcore scene in Hamburg earlier on like 93 94 and I skated with all those guys and uh, a lot of them were in bands and actually one of the guys that I was skating around I wasn't really friends with him at the time but he plays drums in Old Ghost now so oh, it's kind man. of funny how yeah it's kind of funny how that all happens but like I was just a little run I didn't really grasped the idea of a hardcore scene you know i thought it was just right. like battle of bands or whatever but yeah there was a there was a i mean like i remember like uh this guy named 
his name was Jeff Grazik. He was a pretty big skateboarder, but he was in a band called Fine Line, which later turned to Drought. But like, that was like the first like Buffalo band demos that I heard, and it was all through skateboarding. So, yeah, that's cool. kind of yeah, it's kind of how it all ties in, I guess. You know, I think I think you you were you were kind of getting this a little bit earlier than me because I think my introduction was like ninety five, ninety six, but it sounds like you were kind of a little bit. Because uh, I've never really asked you. Like, I was born in 81. I'm guessing you're a couple years older than me then? Or? Yeah, I was born in 79. Okay, um, yeah. So Yeah. Uh, I, get, I got into, like, when I, like, really realized there was, like, a hardcore scene, like, and started going to shows. It probably wasn't until, like, late 94. I mean, like, my first show was in spring of 94 that, like, was, like, you know, a proper hardcore show. So... Are there like standout shows from like 94, 95 for you then that you can like think back and like remember fondly from that era? Yeah, there's like one earlier one that happened and it happened even further out than, you know, where I'm at um, was in a town called Lakeview. Um, Against All Hope, Half Mast, Lockjaw. Um, it was a big show. There's probably like 10 bands on it. I'm trying to think who else played like Daybreak. But that was very, a very big show for me. I just remember really liking Against All Hope um, at that show because they were like a little more on the melodic side. And like at, to that point, it was mostly like metallic, hardcore, I guess. I think VOD played the show too without a bass player. So <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, as far as the early shows, that was probably the most memorable one because it was a big show. and I'm, it just that's when I kind of like realized, oh, this stuff happens all the time, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So now I know a lot of your bands, which we'll get to later, kind of have like like a punk side to them too. So like, were you kind of doing the hardcore and punk thing, or were you kind of leaning more towards the hardcore thing, like right away? It was mostly hardcore. Um. I think there was kind of like in Buffalo, there was always kind of the more of a blend. I guess you know there was always kind of mixed bills especially in that like 94 range you know there was always a few punk bands here or there which i liked but not as much you know um i think because well coming from like the skate punk stuff like down by law which is dave smalley's band but you know after Nasty and all that like i liked that but after hearing dag nasty which is more hardcore i was like oh i love this <laughs> you know yeah. but uh yeah um some of that uh you know even that youth crew stuff means more towards punk than it does like metal so and that stuff always grabbed me a little bit more yeah i was never really into like the more metallic sounding hardcore until i got older like like some of the stuff that was popular in like the mid 90s i liked you know what i mean but i, I was, yeah. was more like a traditional type of guy you know what i mean but then as i got older like i like more of like the like biohazard and like troy core and like all that kind of like silly type stuff or whatever i guess you could say you know um you know some of that stuff hits for me but some of it does i'm very picky when it comes to that but you know like there's always exceptions yeah yeah, it's it's weird though because those bands would play here like around here pretty frequently in the mid to late '90s, and I like couldn't care about them at all back then. But now I'm like, I listen to Stigmata and like all that stuff, and I'm like, man, it's like I wish I would have been into this stuff back then, you know? <laughs> right, but, right. Um, so 
like I know Can I Say is like the first band I really remember you being in, but like, did you did you do any like like projects before that, or like had you thought about being in a band, or did, did it just take you a while to to kind of finally do one? I guess. Well, Can I Say like um, was kind of a long process. Um, I originally started out playing bass, and I had no interest in singing in a band. Um, and it, I don't know. Do you know Mike Canfield? He was uh, oh, yeah. yeah, one of the SQIC dudes. He was yeah. the original singer for that band, but we never played a show with him. And like, he quit. Then we had another singer and he quit. And then someone's like, why don't you just sing? I'm like, ah, I guess I will. I don't really want, didn't really want to, but I just did it because uh, I don't know, there was no one else to do it. And that, I mean, it turns out my voice was okay. My timing was terrible, but, uh, <laughs> but my voice was all right for it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I wish I would have stuck with the bass a little bit more or guitar. I, I've recently started playing guitar and bass more, but maybe someday I'll get in the band and play guitar. I just have to get a little more comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I fiddled around with guitar when I was a teenager and stuff like that, but I never learned more than like the, the three chords and I can't really play them that well. Like my son right. has like a monster guitar and I, I mess around with that once in a while and I'm like... <laughs> It can't even stay in tune anyways and you know i probably don't sound in tune anyways when i play so you know but um that's something i kind of didn't even realize that you had, did you play bass the whole time in the band then or did you just start singing once you started singing like did you guys oh uh, yeah once i once i started singing i mean i wasn't talented at bass anyways but like i could probably fake it enough where it would be like okay for that first band you know mm -hmm. i feel like um you know, I'm not really proud of much of what Can I Say did as a band. It's kind of like, I almost am embarrassed by those recordings. But, you know, the way I look at it, it was like a high school band, even though I was out of high school, because a lot of the people that were playing in the band were still younger than me. It was, uh, you know, some of the players were, like, I know the drummer was his first band playing drums, and he just started playing drums. So, like, it was what it was. It was it was fun, but I know we weren't that good. So yeah, yeah, that was a fun era though. That that was like I feel like that was like the beginning of like uh, a pretty long uh, basement era for Buffalo shows, like like late nineties, early two thousands. Like yeah, I mean? yeah, there was a lot of great bands in Buffalo. Um, a lot of those like you know Custer Street and like Thirty Three Tyler always had a lot of good bands coming through too. Um, but you know the Buffalo bands like No Time Left and They Live and The Control; those bands all rule, and I still listen to that stuff all the time. So. Yeah, that's that's one thing too. Like that's why you know, I mean, obviously you guys, that's what we'll get to have have like the the podcast now in Nickel City, and so I don't I don't interview as many Buffalo people now to kind of you know give it a little space for you guys. But like when I first started doing this, like my whole thing was like there's like the whole Buffalo scene, like there's such a diverse like crap of bands that have been been around over the years you know what i mean and, and you naming all those bands there if you, if you like all, like all those bands like sound different you know and, and but it, yeah. it was just like such a good time you know and and that basement era too though yeah it was just so much fun you know yeah. um a lot of rochester bands used to come down for yeah. those uh, shows i remember like one show was like all it was like stamp ass the disaster uh, I can't remember the name of the other band, but there was another band that was from Rochester and one Buffalo band. It was like three Rochester yeah. bands and one Buffalo band. I think that might have been Building on Fire too, and I want to say maybe Wrongly Impressor played that show too, because I remember, I remember, I, I know Wrongly Impressor and Stan Fans definitely played together at some point. There, it might not have been that same show that I'm thinking of, but there was definitely 
a lot of shows like that there. It seemed like every couple months, which was, you know, always a good time. But there was that connection between Rochester and Buffalo, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So now the thing with Dead Hearts, uh, like my whole, like there was a couple years where, you know, I don't really know how to say this. Like I kind of was, I was still listening to hardcore, but I was kind of like using a lot of uh, drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. So I wasn't really going to as many shows. Yeah. I know we booked you guys, uh, Sketchy Dave and I booked you guys in 2007. Yeah. But like that era, I'm not really as familiar with, but I was going back and listening to it. As I told you the other day when I was uh, at the lake with my girlfriend, I was listening to you guys and I was like, damn, like I missed out on, on some pretty fun shit. So it guys kind of take me back to just like the whole beginning of that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, you know, to the whole, like the formation first and then we'll kind of go through sure. the process a little bit, you know? Sure. Okay. Well, um, can I see it just broke up. We played our last show and uh, I want to say that was, I mean, my, my dates are kind of fuzzy, but I think that was late 2003. And um, I seen Jeremy, the control broken up and I seen Jeremy posted on the Buffalo shows board that he was, you know, thinking about starting a new band in the vein of suicide file or something like that. And I was like, Oh man, I would, you know, I, I always respected Jeremy's, writing style and uh i thought he was a talented musician and uh so i hit him up and he's like he's like yeah i mean i'm willing to you know try out something with you and um tom was the bass player in dead hearts he was also in can i say with me he played uh guitar in can i say it but um jeremy goes what about tom and i'm like yeah tom would be awesome but he doesn't have any good uh, uh, basic when he plays guitar and uh fortunately i had a, my old bass and tom tom used it and kind of destroyed it and it was actually not even my bass it was my dad's bass that he loaned to me but it turned out it was like an like a 70s p bass fender p bass it was worth a couple of grand <laughs> but uh it got ruined by him but yeah i got tom on and then jeremy knew uh paul from uh he was in a band called the alleged um from buffalo they're from the niagara falls region region but uh he hit him up and uh it just all came together so quick i remember the first practice jeremy had already had like three songs written and uh with lyrics too like he had everything like done basically i'm like oh my god like i didn't know it was going to be like this it was probably like the easiest band to be in ever because like although like um as far as artistically it wasn't very fulfilling for me because it seemed like a lot of my lyric ideas got shut down or you know at one time i tried and it's like it wasn't coming to me he goes well just let me do it so jeremy pretty much wrote everything as far as lyric wise for that band um and I want to say like 80% of the music too, maybe even higher than that. Cause a few songs, Tom and uh, Paul wrote, but the majority was Jeremy. Um, but that band, uh, it just kind of took off right away. I remember going on uh, our first weekend with uh, that band engineer. And uh, it was probably like a few months into the band. And I'm like, well, this is awesome. We're actually doing something. We're we're getting going. And and um, 
Stefano offered to put our demo out in seven inch right away too. And I was like, this is all like perfect. Everything's coming together. And then we went on a, like a 60 day summer tour, like that following summer. So it was wow. like, yeah, it all happened so quick. And like Jeremy, like knows how to promote his bands, I guess, you know? And like, I think he's pretty persistent with it, which is awesome. He does all, all the work. <laughs> yeah it's crazy that's that, that's definitely something i'd I want to you know chat with on here at some point he's he's got a pretty uh pretty extensive catalog of, of music that he's put out over the years with his bands you know so yeah he's, he's for sure talk to he uh, works quick he works quick for sure yeah so in addition to stefano though another uh rochester guy that you guys had a connection with was my buddy sean mccarthy with with uh the old round two records too right didn't he end oh, up doing yeah. some of that with the vinyl too or yeah he did he did two records he did our uh no love no hope ep it was like a one-sided 12 inch with an etching on the b side and uh he also did our our bitter versus record on vinyl and um it was him and his brother i can't remember his brother's name um, brian but, uh, yeah brian yeah yeah um those dudes were awesome um i think we still own money though so <laughs> <laughs> uh sorry sean uh, sean and uh sean and brian uh you hit up Jeremy or something for it. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten back in touch with Sean here and there uh, in the last couple of years. So uh, yeah, I'm actually surprised guy. those dudes wanted to work with us because, like, it seemed like they were into like the real heavy like beatdown stuff, but like, yeah. they were like totally down. Like, oh, this is sweet, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think he was more into that like like heavier stuff. But I think he was into like you know more diverse stuff too. But um, yeah, definitely into the the pretty crazy uh moshing and stuff like that <laughs> so, oh yeah man i mean the know. dude was like huge and like ripped he's like just makes sense that he would like that stuff a little bit more yeah i just remember one time him and my buddy jim who's been on this podcast before we played in borrowed time we were in dc for like madball had just gotten back together it was like them and blood for blood and death threat and like a couple other like big bands like that and like blood for blood was just getting ready to play and he looked at jim and he's just like you ready to go down there or whatever and i was like <laughs> it was like the nation dc so there was like 1500 people there or whatever it seemed like that oh, wow. anyways you know and i was just like i'm not going anywhere near that shit. i mean i was down there for madball but it seemed like madball wasn't anything compared to a blood for blood pit that night you know so yeah no doubt man that the, the, those pits were always here i don't care where you were you know yeah yeah, it was always a good time. Uh, that's something I, I think about sometimes now because my body's a little broken from, you know, activities in the last couple of years. And when shows creep back up, I'm sure I'll want to get back to my old ways. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think my, my girlfriend probably wouldn't like that too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no doubt. No so, doubt. Yeah. So, but sticking with Dead Hearts for a little bit, I guess, how, how did the, the ferret thing all, uh, come about? I've always been kind of curious about that too. Okay. Um, well, I think Jeremy sent our first demo to them like right away. And um, one of the guys there really liked it. And it wasn't like Carl or the other head guy, um, but it was like a guy that worked there and like he was always pushing for us. And plus like the, every time, every time I die connection with Buffalo, I think Andy was always like, like pushing us too to those guys. And uh it was a, it was so weird because like I was never really comfortable with signing to them, and at this I know like it did help us a lot though because we bought a van with the money that we signed on with and uh, 
it was kind of like a almost like a weird independent bidding war because we were supposed to try out for victory too like they were oh. gonna like yeah they wanted us to like fly out and do a trot like do a like play for tony victory or something i'm like i'm not gonna do that dude <laughs> it's just weird <laughs> It's yeah. just weird. I, you know, I don't know. It was kind of a strange thing, but like we ended up going with Ferret, um, just on just from talking to those guys. I mean, like Carl was in Nora, and like he knows, he kind of knew what we we're doing. But we were kind of an oddball on that label, though. If you look at like every other yeah. band up there, it's just it's kind of weird. I think they, I think they maybe they thought we'd be like a comeback kid or something like that. You know, just taking a shot, but. Yeah, and I know. Like, it was weird. Would the, would they like, and and I guess would you like consider like being successful having having worked with them, or like do you you know? Um, you know, it, it's at the time it was when like CD sales dropped too. Like it was like right at that time when we signed. So like, I can't really say if it helped or hurt us. I think maybe it it might have hurt us in a way because like. Some people were kind of turned off by the fact that we did that. Um, I remember, like, we always booked shows with this guy in Daytona, and, like, he just wouldn't book us anymore because we signed with Barrett. Yeah, it's kind of like he was kind of like a DIY or die type of dude. So Yeah, but imagine if you would have signed with Victory then, you know what I mean? Like, there would have been probably a lot more backlash from people at that point, you know? Probably. I mean, like, um, I didn't, you know, the advantage was they paid for a, a a van and we did get sort of tour support for like a few months. So, yeah. and a plus they paid for our recording, which I don't remember how much it cost, but it was nothing I would ever pay out of pocket. You know, yeah. did you so, guys go to, did you guys go to Europe on that, on that record too then? Or? Uh, we toured, I think that came out in 2006, but we toured in Europe in 2007 with uh, Shia Lude and some, some other band i can't really some oh when's a plague so we're like and kind of an oddball on yeah. that on that tour as well but that also worked to our advantage i think because I, we always had the best set i feel the whole tour except for like there's a few nights that shy Lude killed it but like i remember playing in like like mainland europe like every show was awesome and like if we went to uh England or something, like the show was kind of sucked for us. It was weird. But yeah, it was it was pretty <sighs> it's all kind of a blur because I never got off like American time the whole time I was there. And I went there with five American dollars. I didn't have any money on me the whole time. Oh shit. And I spent three of it at McDonald's on at the airport. So <laughs> Did you get like a per diem for going like on a European tour or something like that, or did they just give you food? Uh, we got fed like two meals. Oh, like every every, every, every show, like yeah, every day I got, I got like two meals, and like a few times, some people were kind enough to throw me a few bucks to eat something too when I when we didn't have a meal, but um, it was like it was a great experience but i wish i would have appreciated it more at the time you know like i felt like uh i couldn't spend any money i had a credit card but i didn't want to use it because i was always broke being in a band on tour you know yeah. I mean, we never made money 
you know, we made enough to sustain the band, but not ourselves. You know, it's kind of a same old story, you know. Did you, were you guys like a touring band like the whole time you were a band pretty much then? Yeah, we toured a lot. I mean, it wasn't like career touring, cause, right. but we, we toured probably like, I want to say at least four months out of the year for those few years. And we'd fit in weekends all the time. And, uh, you know, that type of stuff takes its toll. And I think uh, maybe we played too long on a record, you know. We didn't get new material out in time. And uh, there was other other things, too, that, you know, I think fought against us. But, yeah, I don't know. It was, I, have, I have no uh, – very little regrets with it, you know. Right. Now, uh, as we've talked about before, we we both have kids and stuff. Was that was that around the time you started uh, having your first child that you quit like you quit the band or whatever, or was that was that like before all that? Uh, I quit the band before that. Um, what happened was, um, you know, I was not. I when I'd come home, I'd go right to work. I had a job that let me come and go as I pleased, but it didn't pay much. Um, but I could always count on it being there. But like I never stopped, you know. It was like, okay, I get home until I get home from tour, go right to work, work until I have to go to tour again, or record or whatever. You know, I was always going. I don't even on tour. It's like you know, you're sleeping on floors, you're sleeping in the van, you're not getting proper rest. I felt like I never had a like a pro, like good rest. And um, what really took its toll was the financial burden, and that's why I quit. Um, my wife was going back to school to get her master's. Um, it was really, a, we couldn't really afford it. I was PayPaling myself $500 at a time to pay, to pay bills, pay more or pay rent. And like, it was, it was really just, you know, financial burden. That yeah. killed me, you know, one thing I guess I've never really thought to ask people, which I'm guess I'm guessing it probably is a yes, but like when you go on tour a lot, like, and obviously with COVID and stuff, this would be a, would have been a concern too. Like, do you get sick a lot? Like when you go on tour, like, like going to different places and stuff. Yeah, I I remember getting like, I remember a few times being super sick. I remember one time we played in Vermont, and I was just like, I I slept in the van, and I was just like, I must have had the worst fever ever because I was like, I woke up, my my sleeping bag was soaking wet. It was the middle of winter, and I'm like. I was just like, I remember just being like, man, I am not feeling right. And like, you'd always get like a, a flu or a cold and you know, you don't get proper sleep. So it's like kind of like Rexia. Um, yeah. Plus you're not eating. Like I wasn't eating good at that point. Um, you know, I eat on $5 a day at Wendy's, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's like one meal. I can't imagine doing that now too. I mean, fast food's like so expensive now, you know? So, yeah, I remember our first tour, like we did that, that 60 day tour. I was like, all right, well, some days we'd get $5 to, you know, give some food and like some days we wouldn't, but I remember like spending like $3 just so I, just in case I didn't get money the next day, <laughs> like we go to Wendy's and get like, I'd get a salad with chicken nuggets and, uh, you know, a yogurt or something off the dollar menu yeah. and uh, try to make it work. And I lost, I think I lost like. 20 pounds on that tour <laughs> wow. yeah 
it was always a struggle. It's not like everyone thinks touring is awesome, but it, I mean, it is in some ways, but in some ways it's terrible. And especially when you're not in a popular band that's making money. <laughs> I don't know how some of these bands do it, especially nowadays. You can only have like CDs to sell you to like make it all on shirts, you know? It seems like, a really, it seems really competitive now with like how many bands there are. And then on top of that, like you'll see bands that like, I don't know how they're doing these tours. It seems like they're just like, maybe doing like a weekend like on a different coast like if they're flying there and just playing like three shows or if they're driving cross country like you know what i mean like i don't i just don't understand that the the dynamics of the routing and stuff like that and how they could possibly even break even like some of these shows that i see some of these bands playing you know but yeah um, yeah i don't know how they do it i know like merch is crazy now like you'll see people make like hats and like yeah. you know there's i mean not that that didn't happen before but like even smaller bands are doing all that stuff just to sell what they can um but yeah i i feel bad for bands that have to tour now it's pretty bad or i mean now that things are picking up though who knows it might be different it might be a different story that you know people actually will come out and support but yeah i want to do some stuff here but i'm just not sure like what what the what the path to do it is at this point like there's there's a couple clubs i could probably do it at here but like seeing those Seeing those crazy section hate videos from California and shit <laughs> makes me want to, you know, I don't know. I, I want to do things safe too, but that, that shit looks really cool, man. So I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah know? It looks pretty, it looks pretty awesome. I went to a show in Buffalo, like, yeah. um, I, two weeks ago on Saturday, um, a few Buffalo bands played and a couple of hip hop bands played as well. Um, but it was, there was like 300 kids there. And that was like, yeah, it was pretty wild for a Buffalo show. I'm not sure if it was because it was like a, you know, cross scene kind of promoted show, but uh, yeah, it was packed and like, it was at like some garage or something like, and um, as far as it being safe, I don't know if it was or not, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could have been a, you know, a super spreader, but for all I know, I mean, I, thankfully I'm vaccinated yeah. and um you know, I'm kind of conflicted. Am I like my kid? Am I putting my kids at compromise? You know, by going to that. But uh, you know, I I did go, and maybe against my better judgment. But it was cool. I mean, it was nice to go to a show, and all the bands—they're all new Buffalo bands, and they're all awesome. So it was a good time. Yeah, I seen I seen pictures from that from that show. It seemed like a good time. There's been a couple shows here um i'm fully vaccinated too so i, I you know i i i, I kind of feel the same way you do obviously having a, a newborn like i i've i got my second shot at the end of may so as we're doing this interview you know i've been i've had that for, i've been f officially fully vaccinated for like four weeks now because you know it's like two weeks after the thing or whatever yeah just just because we have the newborn like i'm still wearing my mask everywhere just because like i don't know what other kind of shit might be around you know what i mean i don't want to get hurt yeah so um yeah but no at doubt. the same time like i feel i like i've it's been a, it's been so long i understand i understand people want to play shows and stuff and i want to do them, i would want to do them again soon too so you know i'm just trying yeah. to figure out, uh, figure out the logistics to it i guess at this point because i don't know you know it, it just seems like it'd be cool to do some shit like that like some underground shit but i don't know i don't want i don't you know i'm 40 and i have two kids i don't want to get like fucking arrested for having like you know what i mean some subway because they they used to have in rochester there's the abandoned subway which is a lot of it's probably shut down now because they have these fucking lame uh you know everything turns into fucking 
high high yeah. rent like buildings and shit. And so that they I mean, they might have kept like like sealed it off, but it was open. And like ten years ago, they were having like punk shows like in the fucking old subway. Like you had to like like walk in all carefully like through the dark and shit. And you know there would be like a few punk bands and shit. It was pretty crazy, you know. So yeah, I remember hearing about that and seeing video from that. And man, that was that looked awesome. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know if that would fly now. It might though. But yeah. yeah, honestly, the cops were outside that show that happened, um, not for the band's plane, but because someone needed to jump. It's oh, kind of really? funny. Yeah, so like the cops were well aware of what was going on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I mean, actually, old ghost guy has to play it, but unfortunately, we got five adults in the band that have shit going on all the time. So yeah. <laughs> um yeah i guess i i do want to talk to you more about the future of that band but i guess we'll kind of jump back and talk about the the beginning of that band first um initially it was you and jeremy uh again like is that is that kind of how you guys just decided you guys just want to do another band a couple years after like dead hearts or um okay it's kind of weird um after quitting dead hearts I kind of felt like lost, you know, I kind of felt like part of my identity was gone. Um, you know, you, you do something like you're, you tour all the time and I, I still miss touring. Um, even though I was com- kind of complaining about it early, but it was, it was cool to meet people. It was awesome to play, you know, 25 minutes set every night. And I, I miss playing and, uh, I think Jeremy's other band reason had just broke up. I'm like, Hey man, why don't we just do something? And I kind of wanted it to be more like a youth crew band, but it didn't end up that way. You know, I think Jeremy had a kind of wanted to make it like a Holy terror type band, even though it didn't come out that way. But like, I think that's what he had in mind. Um, But yeah, I hit him up again. I'm like, yo, let's, let's do something. Cause I wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. And uh, I don't know. It was cool for, uh, he was into it for like, uh, I think he was into it. We started in 2000, the winter of 2010, like December. And he was in it for two years. So I think we put out our demo in 2011 and then 2012 he quit he was having uh some kind of arthritis in his hands where he couldn't play guitar to the degree of playing live i remember his last show playing guitar was a dead hearts reunion we did for um that alex rice skate park but uh yeah after that he's like i don't really i don't think he was too into it anymore anyways and i think he wanted to do something different so I think it all kind of culminated from him quitting, but yeah, it was, you know, it was pretty much same thing with as dead arts. Like he kind of just came in and just had a bunch of songs and we just rolled with it. So. Um, I think you guys, I, I mean, obviously I booked you guys a couple of times, but I think you guys played the last show that I did. Uh, I talked about it a couple episodes back on here with my buddy and you know, Jared from. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jared, yeah. I listened to that the other day too. Yeah. I think, I think you guys <laughs> played that right. That with the wrestling yeah. Band, job squad. Yeah. um so this might uh not make the cutting floor of the episode but this is a funny story that i definitely want to tell you real quick that i don't know if i've ever actually 
I don't know if you if you realized or not. One one one. I don't know if it was that show or the other. I put you guys twice at the Bug Jar, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, during that time, I was pretty heavily into uh, uh, the weed. You know. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, at one point, it was just a thing where I didn't have time to do both, so I met I met somebody before or whatever, and I didn't have a jar to put it in, so I kind of just put it in my pocket, and it was kind of like a lot or whatever. <laughs> and during your guys' set, at one point, you were like, yo, somebody's got some really good smell of weed out here, man. More power to you or some <laughs> shit like that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. This is really embarrassing. Like, I hope nobody oh, really. Oh, man, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to embarrass you. Nobody thing afterwards. So I don't think anybody. I think my girlfriend finally got there. And I just stuffed it in her trunk or whatever. But it was really funny because it was just one of those things where I was like, "Jesus Christ, man!" You know. And then you're on stage, and I'm like, "I'm I'm the one even doing the show," and it's just kind of a funny like, you know what I mean? I don't re- I don't remember, but that's hilarious. Um, those shows were always fun. I, me- I remember those like night terror guys were always super cool too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember seeing. I'm sorry if I embarrassed you. I'm probably just yeah. trying to make jokes. You know, yeah, it's, it it's funny. It <laughs> there was a couple other times where stuff like that happened at shows. During it was like I'm I I was getting into something else while still trying to be into something else type thing and not really yeah. being able to you know uh, cross paths the right way. But I got I got uh, kind of called out like that at another show by by another band at a different time too. And it was <laughs> funny too. So. You're not the only one that did it. <laughs> no, that's funny. As, I mean, I don't smoke weed or anything. I, was, I don't know. I was probably just trying to be funny. <laughs> no, I'm sure you were. And I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't, like, offended or anything. I was just more just, oh, okay. like, oh, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of like, embarrassing, like something out of a movie or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, where the, the record skips or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, old so like we were talking about with, with the current uh, – with the shows and stuff, like, old Ghost is still active. Like, you guys put out, like, a bunch of shit within the last couple of years, right? Well, yeah, last year we put out um, our, a full length called Crow, and also we did a split with a split 12 inch with Bystander. Um, and those both came out on State of Mind recordings. Um, yeah, uh, we kind of had a hiatus in there. It wasn't like we were constantly a band, but um, it's funny that. Uh, after Jeremy quit, we had a few different guitar players. And now I'm back playing with Tom, who was in Can I Say With Me. He was also in Dead Hearts. So it's kind of came full circle. And it, you can tell throughout the, the journey of the band that every release sounds different. And that's mainly because we had different guitar players on every release. So, you know, at some point I probably should have changed the name. <laughs> but, uh, I just kind of stuck with it, you know. Me and the drummer are the only original members. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you've, you've been the band's been active for. I mean, I guess you said it was on hiatus for a little bit, but you've you've had the band for like over ten years now. You might as well keep the name at that point. Yeah, know? yeah. I think, uh, you know, at first it was because we were still playing like the older songs because we didn't have enough like new material, and then we finally came up with new stuff, and it just kind of like, well. We're old ghosts, I guess, you know, you know, there's no reason to, I'm like, even though we're active, we don't play all that often. So like, I guess it doesn't really matter. And not too many people care that much. I don't think about that band anyways, aside from us. Uh, So like, whatever, you know, I'll I'll keep using it and uh, I'll I'll keep doing it until, uh, you know, our drummer quits. 
<laughs> are you guys like actively like like practicing again now then or yeah honestly we took very little time off i think um we maybe took a month off like initially uh our practice space is huge so like we were able to social distance and still practice and like um i think we were all writing during that time as well like on our own so like uh it never really stopped so it's it's honestly probably more of a reason for all of us to get out of the house now um or maybe those guys just do it to get me out of the house you know <laughs> uh but yeah we still write and uh, we we've been uh practicing pretty much all along aside from that month and a half or whatever we didn't you think you guys will play the occasional show like down the road or whatever then or oh yeah yeah we definitely plan on playing um we still have to have a record release show so <laughs> uh but yeah honestly we would have if we could have made it work we would have played that show on that saturday a few weeks ago um but you know like i said there's um three adults trying to get you know schedules to mesh is kind of hard um uh there's you know two of us have kids a uh, third one's about to have an, a kid as well so um things slow down a little bit you know during that time as you know so yeah, well no i yeah. wish I, I that's it's the only thing i kicked myself for is that we waited so long you know i was, I was 38 when we had our first kid and now i'm 40 so it's like I'll be yeah like here 60 or maybe like 65 when this is all over you know and, and then we'll I'll finally be having like grandkids and i'll be like so old you know i know dude well my do- my one my daughter's 11 um so she was born right around the time old ghost started mm-hmm. um but my son is five and uh right now we're like i'm it's easy to leave to go and do something earlier on it was harder to like be like okay i gotta go to band practice but now it's just like they're cool they're like you know we practice at night kids are eat dinner and they go to go to bed a few hours later so like i can still practice and uh my wife's super supportive and she you know she she wants me to do stuff like that she still wants me to go on tour and stuff (laughs) but uh yeah she's super cool about it um I mean, not for months, but like, you know, right. she would, she'd let me go for a week on, or yeah. let me, but you know, yeah. not let me, but like, it would be cool with me going for a week or a week and a half on tour, but getting five dudes to agree on that is hard too, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I tried, I tried, I, well, I didn't really even try, honestly, there was, there was a show here last Saturday and, and I wanted to go, but then I was like, the, the, the first band starts at like eight or eight thirty, and like my son, <laughs> my son, we lay him down. Well, I lay him down at like nine o'clock every night. So it's like. You know what I mean? Like by the time yeah. I finally fall asleep, it'll be ten or ten thirty. So by the time I get to a show like that, like you know what I mean, it'd be way too late. So, and I and I probably fell asleep in bed with him that night anyways. You know, so it's yeah. I don't know how comfortable you are with this, but like, I know like on some nights, like when we want our kids to get good sleep, we give them melatonin. I don't know if you uh, ever tried that, but like, well, I don't know if we have or not. I have to talk to my girlfriend about it. I'm not sure if we have or not. Yeah, I know they make like, like children one that you know you get, it knocks my son yeah. out. Like, and he gets a good night's sleep, and he's in such a good mood the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> but a yeah, bu- a bubble bath sometimes works, and then 
Yeah, him and I just usually have to lay in bed, and I'll I'll let him watch TV for a little bit, and then the TV turns off, and we just lay there. And like tonight, I was getting ready to interview you, and I was getting ready to get up because he like, he he was just kind of falling asleep, and I was like trying to to come down the stairs, and he was like, "Why are you getting up?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I gotta I gotta go potty real quick. I'll be right back," you know. And then I just waited a second and put the blanket on him, but I was like, "This is like how long how how long does it take to do this?" You know what I mean? Like how many yeah. years am I gonna be having to? You know, I don't, I don't remember like how long it took me as a young kid or whatever. So, but yeah, at some point it'll stop. You know, honestly, it's, it's probably cool bonding time. You know what I mean? It's, you know, kids will remember stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I just don't want to be sleeping. Like, cause it's like half the time I wake up in his bed at like two o'clock in the morning. That's a, that's a pretty small bed, obviously. Oh yeah, so, dude. Kind of like, yeah. I try not to fall asleep. Like tonight, I was lucky to play. I just kept like being like, I got to do this interview with you tonight, so I'm not going to fall asleep or whatever. But a lot of nights, right. I'm so tired from working and other shit, you know. And it's yeah, no doubt, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like when, so I guess uh, shifting to the to like the record label and stuff, like that's something that that you run with uh, another guy, right? Or yeah, my uh, when my friend Gus, um, I remember like well when old ghost first started i was like oh, i kind of want to do like a seven inch like for us you know so i um that was a split label release though but like just to try it out i uh you know i i uh hit up my friend dave from state of mind to you know see if he wanted to like co-release it with us and he said yeah so i did and i i wasn't sure if i wanted to continue doing it but um at that point, Old Ghost was kind of going on hiatus, and I still wanted to be connected to the scene and, uh, you know, do something. So, like, um, I hit up uh, Better Times Band, which was a band, like a youth crew-style band from Buffalo, and see if they wanted to put out their demo on 7-inch. And, like, it kind of rolled from there. Um, I'm not as hands-on with it as I used to be. Um, I think I just got burned out and sinking money into it you know um but i'm still doing it just not very actively um i think the last thing we did release wise was like a tape for goa which is uh mike jeffers band one of, one of his million bands yeah. you know um but uh the dude i run the label with gus he uh he's kind of like taking the reins a little bit with it a little more and he's putting out a few uh few things he's gonna do like a ron the oppressor one-sided 12 inch and uh i'll still like you know do shipping and stuff but i you know i think that's the kind of way it works with us like if he's got a release he's passionate about he'll do it and if i have something i'm passionate about i'll do it um under the same name uh but lately i haven't had too much i want to do a few old buffalo bands if i could get them to agree with it uh i wanted to do like a i haven't hit them up yet but i wanted to do a fade away record or something like that and um uh, i had talked to jay galwin about doing uh slugfest live in lockport lp which would have been cool too but I'm not sure how hype people are on live records, you right. know? Yeah. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, though. You know, yeah. Limited with some pretty cool packaging or whatever. I'm sure people will be yeah. stoked on something like that, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. And like Fade Away was a band I kind of missed out on. I didn't, they had just broken up when I started going to shows, but I had a friend that taped uh, like a few of the songs off the demo for me. I'm like, man, this stuff is awesome. Later on, I got all everything from it. I was like, man, this stuff is not documented at all. It'd be cool if people heard this. And I think, um, well, I mean, there's a little uh, connection because Vogel played drums for him for a little bit. And uh, I think people would just check it out on that alone, you know, so. Is that the stuff that you'd be, you'd, you'd want to try to release the stuff that he played drums on or is it different stuff or a little bit of both? Um, you know, they, they have two demos and uh, like an EP and some of the songs crossed over. So if I were to hit them up, I'd probably do like their last demo and their last EP, like one side, the demo and one side, the EP. Cause um, they're both good, but like the, the, the one demo I like so much more. I should, I'll send it to you sometimes. It's super good. I don't know if you heard it at all, but it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I'm not too I, familiar with them. I compare it to like, you know, turning point and like maybe strife mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess speaking of strife, are you, are you going to that show? Are you stoked about that? Uh, the show in October? I am stoked on it for not for strife or not yeah. for earth crisis or not for snappies, but buried alive. And, yeah. uh, restraining order not that I, I i'm not excited about those other bands but like when i saw restraining order and buried alive playing i was definitely gonna go yeah. um and like i love i loved all those bands earlier on like snapcase not as much i don't think i appreciated them that much because i saw them all the time but uh like earth crisis and uh strife i really liked back then and probably Earth Crisis more now than I did back then. Um, but yeah, I think Strife never really played here at their peak. So they played here like way later. Now, they might have played her before I before I started going to shows, but like the one truth error I missed. So The only time I remember seeing them in Buffalo was with Sick of It All. And I got hit in the nose really fucking hard during that show too, but... That was like was 90, a, that was like ninety seven. I was like sick of it all. One King Down, Stripe at a showplace. Yeah, I missed yeah. that show. Um, I think it was like ninety seven. I want to say it was ninety seven, like fall of ninety seven. And if there's some shitty, well, you know, all respect to them if they happen to listen to this, but some shitty punk band from Canada that you know, I don't, I forget what they were called, but they opened. Um, I don't even think a Buffalo band played that show. It was one of those was weird it? things. Was it Guy Smiley or something like I that? I think it might have been. I think it might have been, actually. All due respect to, to them, and if you're friends with those guys. You know. No, I'm not. I, I mean, I don't really like that band either. Uh, but, yeah. How did you know that would be the band? Or did they play there a little bit, or you just know that's what I'd be talking about? I, I, I did not go to that show, but I think I remember seeing them on the flyer, and I see them uh, at a different show in Buffalo at yeah. Showplace as well. And I remember, like, not being into them, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> just a Canadian band it just made sense um, it's just a weird thing though like that you would have like like if you or I were booking like a, a show like that we'd want to have like a local hardcore band opening you know what I mean right like, have like a band right. like that open and that would happen here a lot too like when I booked when I booked a lot of shows uh not to get off topic too much you know but I booked uh I remember booking a Hatebreed show one time and, and they and I'm not going to mention the band because I'm friends with some of them but like they the, the, the Hatebreed's booking agent themselves told me 
that I had to put a Rochester band on there and they weren't like a hardcore band. They were like a new metal kind of hardcore band. And I was like, Oh really? They're wow. not gonna draw anybody like why? And you know what I mean? And there's supposedly there's a story to it. I don't know if it's really true or not. Um, but either way, it was just weird that like you couldn't, you know what I mean? Like I want to have a local hardcore band playing something like that. And like, it's maybe that's something like that with the sick of all show too, where the agents were like, Oh, this guy smiley band is opening this, right. whatever, you know, and it just, it's all that like agent politics shit just never made sense to me, you know? So I'm sure that happened. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I, dead heart started tour with sick of it all. And like, mm. we played with a band called the autumn offering and, um, they were kind of an oddball on tour. I'm like, I, not to be a big head or anything, but I think we were a better band or better suited to play higher on the bill than them. And uh, it was all because the booking agent said, this band has to be here. If you ask the guys, they'd be like, yeah, these guys should be playing, you know, after yeah. them. You know, it was kind of a, a weird thing. And uh, I don't know. Well, I wanted to bring this up because um, you booked a lot of those early Eli Flagan shows, right? Me and John 25 mainly, yeah. Yeah, I remember going to a ton of those shows. Um, and I remember there always being like a hundred something people there every show. Mm -hmm. I, um, one sticks out to me is a, a Bane show there earlier on. I can't remember who else played because I think I got there as Bane was setting up. I want to say in reach was supposed to play too, but they didn't show up. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, those, all those shows were great. And I remember uh, a new year's show there too. That was really awesome too. I don't know if you booked that one as well. Yeah. I booked the new year's show. John booked all the Bane shows there. The, the new year's show, I think we've talked about that on here before, but that was cool because what? Well, cool because it ended up being the last show there because they wouldn't let us book anymore after that but it was cool because we kind of like we won and got our way even with the cops there that night because i don't we, we, we were there when all that happened like the cops said like because the, they built the people downstairs wanted us to stop the show like before midnight and i was like yo it's a new year's eve event like, right we're gonna have bands playing after midnight you kidding me and like i you know yeah, i vaguely remember cops being there and there yeah. being kind of issues um yeah that's that's ringing the bell yeah and that that those those it's just cool to, to tell to tell people that like we had every time i die playing like lodge shows like 20 years ago you know and yeah yeah you know uh but that, yeah that was definitely a cool era it was definitely a lot of fun and that's kind of like what shaped like you know me, me like booking a lot of shows was i booked a lot of stuff at that place and then like within a year or two i started just hitting up booking agents and, and then it went from there you know and you know, I mean, you've toured, so it's the same thing. Like, you just get burnt out from it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was yeah. when I was mentioning on the on the episode last week with EMS, I was like, once I started dealing with like tour managers and shit like that, I was like, this is like a little right. too much for me. You know what I mean? Like, some of them right. are cool. Like, it was cool when it would be like, like I remember like, uh, this day forward was a band from like the Philly area, maybe even from Philly, and like they had yeah. a good dude named Pat McCormick that was always like roadieing for them, and then he ended up being like a tour manager. He ended up being a tour manager for like Coed and Cambria. So like, okay. you know what I mean? It was cool when you would like, you would know people that were like the tour manager, but like when I would just meet like random people that were like assholes and shit, I was just like, this is something I don't really have the patience for, you know? And it was just, yeah. Of, you know? yeah. I mean, I like I said, I want to book shows again in the future. I don't know like what, what capacity it'll be if I'll, you know, do it with other people or, you know, like it's all, it's all, 
it's not it's not even in, in our hands i feel like some of it right now because we're gonna have to see how everything goes with you know the yeah. clubs and you know stuff like that like the bug jar is actually just uh reopening for shows in august i saw they had some stuff posted uh cool. last couple of days it's not really any bands that i'm really familiar with but i might check out one of the shows just to you know support their reopening or whatever but you know yeah, i yeah. want to do some stuff there kind of in the future so you know it's cool to see that they are able to reopen throughout all this though you know so are, are they an all ages venue we used to no? do all ages stuff there back in the day and then i went to a show there like two years ago and i honestly didn't even realize until like like the last band was playing i think i said something to somebody and they were like oh yeah this is it was either 18 or 21 and over at that at that point you know what i mean so i don't know if they would still because we used to do all ages shows like during the day on like saturdays or sundays or whatever yeah. i don't know if they would still do that or not i mean this is gonna sound like a dick thing, but like I know a lot, for our scene right now, like a lot of the people here are like older. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm sure it'd yeah. be cool to do all ages shows here again eventually. But like I know, like most of the shows that I've been into in like the last like some some odd years, it's not really as much of a youth thing here, which kind of sucks because we have to, you know, uh, pass it on to the youth eventually. I mean, I'm sure some of them yeah. are hearing the music, you know, but I I haven't seen a lot of young kids around at shows because uh, I went to like uh. I forget what the band was called, but there's a band from Colorado that played. Uh, Jared did a show for them at uh, it was like a, a called like Vineyard Community Space on like Clinton Ave in Rochester. And I okay. feel like even that night, the people there were all like, you know, it, it was definitely an all ages thing. But I feel like the people there were all like older and stuff too. So yeah. Um, and now when you went to the show in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, was it a lot of young people there that night or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's harder for me to tell because, you know. It's hard for me to gauge a younger kid nowadays. It seems like everyone seemed really young. Um, it was it was definitely more young people, which is kind of strange to me because the shows I've been going pre-COVID were mostly older people, uh, with exception of uh, there's kind of like all those new bands have like a lot of friends that come out and some of them were probably high schoolers and their high school friends came out, which was pretty awesome. There was a, a, a coffee shop called Grindhouse here in Buffalo. And uh, they were like, they were like the only all ages venue in Buffalo. And you go to those shows, you could definitely tell that there's a younger scene still coming up. And that show on Saturday was all younger kids with mm-hmm. exception of, you know, the mainstays that are always there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think like if I were to go to like like a punk show here, it'd probably be more younger people. You know what I mean? Like, and I know I think it's gonna be like Labor Day weekend. I'd have to I'd have to talk to the people. I'm gonna I'm gonna get one of the guys who's who's putting it on uh, Rochester Punk's picnic. Uh, it's coming up in like September, so I'm gonna get this dude uh, Will uh, Rochester Teen Set. Uh, I'm gonna get him on here eventually to talk more about it. But like that, I, I feel like something like that would probably be a lot more younger people. Uh, yeah, those are always a real good time. We went to one of those in like 2011 um i mentioned bringing bringing my girlfriend and and the kids just for like the first couple hours and she didn't seem too keen on that idea. i'll probably go by myself last time we went it was like a lot of really raging punk bands and then like eventually uh you know those kids drink a lot and stuff and i think they were doing like the, the oxycodone cotton or whatever the oh, yeah. that shit. i think that yeah. was that era when they were doing that shit a lot too and one of these kids i just remember seeing like we could tell when he's walking by the kid was like really fucked up and then all of a sudden he like had a glass like beer bottle in his hand 
And like, yeah. like behind you is like a brick wall was like as, almost as close as you are right now to yours. He just like threw the beer bottle into the wall and like his hand. Yeah. It was just like, oh, man. Holy shit. and we would, cause I, I lived off Monroe Ave at the time. We would see all those kids around all the time. And I was just like, those kids are nuts, man. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. That's like, I, you know, so it'll be fun to go to a show like that again. Cause I haven't been to like a really crazy punk show in a long time. And like, I, I'm not as into the music, but I love like the, just the crazy element to it. You know what I yeah. mean? So. There's a good energy. There's a good energy there. You know, if, if you know, you see people going crazy, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, I I wonder that show on that I went to a few weeks ago. I wonder how many of those kids will actually continue, or you know, or are they just trying to get out of the house because they haven't done anything? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not sure if they were actually hardcore punk kids or what. You know, yeah. it, it was it was hard to tell. And, and I mean, it's, again, it's crazy to see like Section Hate and Madball drawing like 2,000 people. Like you wonder, like obviously it's the first shows in a long time. Like, do, you know what I mean? Like in in a couple of years, like how many people are going to be going to, you know? Like, right. Um, it's it's, it's got to be good for some of these bands to be able to play again and, and to draw crowds and stuff, you know? But, you know, some bands it seems like are still waiting. So I don't know what the, you know, how many tours we're going to see. And, you know, um, yeah. one, one thing with... Uh, I guess talking about the pod, the, the podcast that you guys do a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had had Mark on here last summer when he was just kind of getting started with it. So obviously a lot's happened since then. Like, and it seemed like every couple of weeks there after him and uh, what's the dude's name, Chris, that, Chris, that he, yeah. he started it with, it seemed like every couple of weeks there was, there was like another host kind of <laughs> joining yeah. the, the ranks or whatever. Like how many people you guys have now? Is it like five of you guys? Uh, no, there's just, there's just us four and, to be honest with you, uh, we're kind of cutting back. Like, I think they're going to try to keep it to three interviewers. But once in a while, they'll bring in a guest, and me and Alex will just sit out. Um, and me even less um, than Alex, because uh, I do, like, all the editing for it. And I think that's how I got involved. Like, they, Mark was like, I was looking for something to listen to because I was, um, you know, laid off at the time. And I was like, Mark, send me some of your podcasts, like you know, some of the uh, unreleased ones. Just give me something to listen to. And they were unedited. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to edit these and see how they sound. And I edited uh, the Mark Blanco one from Zero Tolerance. And I sent it to him. He was like, oh, man, you edited this? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, was, I wasn't doing anything. I was bored. And I was like, yeah, I just did it. Check it out. See if you like it. You can use it if you want. Um, and I don't even think he listened to it. He just took it and put it up. But uh yeah, I kind of, that's how I got involved. I was just like uh, the editor, you know, and then they asked me to come on one time. I wanted to hop on for the Larry Envy one because um, that was a band from Buffalo that kind of like means a lot to me even still. Um, I wanted to be a part of that one. And they're like, yeah, cool, come on. So like, I think they're trying to keep it to three uh, interviewers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you it, gets know? Little, it gets a little chaotic at times having so many people. I mean, like I'm, I know, I know all you guys, so I know all you guys' voices, but I can imagine, like, people, like, like on the off chance somebody's listening from far away or somebody doesn't know you guys, they might be like, whoa, this is, like, six people, like, when you're interviewing a couple people, and then on the, on the Union episode, like, that's a lot of people, you know what I mean? Oh, man, that was crazy, yeah, that was yeah. crazy, uh, I mean, I think that's why they kind of did that one as a live stream, I know they, we eventually edited it and put it in there, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of, a. Uh, too many too many people it gets too hectic and even with the you know four interviewers it's like 
four dudes staring at one person. I think it can be a little intimidating, you know. Uh, yeah. Even three would be two, but, uh, you know, I have no problem sitting back and just doing the editing. And if there's something like they think I would be good for interviewing, I'll hop on. So, but yeah, it's fun to do. I, you know, especially at that time, I was just talking hardcore, super cool. I know we have a, a one coming up that's going to be all of us and three other people. So that's going to be kind of crazy, but it's more of a, you know, a round table discussion. So, yeah. I've got some ideas like that coming up. Well, nothing like concrete, but just like, I want to start doing, I don't want, I don't want to let too many cats out of the bag on this uh, episode yet, but I do have some like, like ideas where I'd have more than, more than just me doing stuff and like a lot of people on episodes, but nothing really concrete yet, you know? So but yeah. it, would, it would definitely be fun to do. Um, I'd probably, have to talk to somebody like you to figure out some of the editing editing processes i guess of, of having a lot more people involved so do yeah. you spend do you spend a lot of time editing each episode though or is it like just uh yeah depends on the episode you know yeah. sometimes you get like like they had cool tasha great i don't know if you heard that one but uh, i haven't checked that one out. i've listened to like half the episodes yeah he just like you know he just talked the whole time and like there was not really much to edit i'm like you yeah. know i think i added a few gaps here and there but like then you'll get like a, a somewhat a younger kid that's not so confident and uh there's a lot of gaps and you know i cut it down or sometimes they'll get a interviewer that wants something cut you know so yeah i don't spend that much time but like there was one episode that i had to do like four times i'm like oh my god i have to listen to this over again <laughs> Yeah, and th I'm not really familiar with a lot of this stuff. So in the beginning, it took me a long time to edit some stuff, but now it's not as hard. And then, like, depending on the conversation, it, like you're saying, it's a lot easier. Like the one with with EMS last week, it was like one of the easiest ones for me to edit. Like so far, I just like, like you said, like I, if I had like a break in the conversation or whatever, I would cut it, cut that. But otherwise, like, right. it wasn't yeah. to edit. You know, I even asked him if you want to make sure if you wanted me to edit anything afterwards. You know, and right, right, right. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> I guess kind of sticking with the uh, the legends of Buffalo hardcore. Then something I've been doing lately is asking people like a Mount Rushmore for their for their city. Uh, if okay. you had to pick like the four people or places or things in Buffalo that were most important to you. Uh yeah, sure. Um, okay. Um, uh, maybe I'll mix it up and do both. Um, as far as uh, can I do bands too? Yeah, a lot of people do like a lot of people just like do whatever, you know, like band yeah. place, you know, it doesn't it's it's just four things or whatever. Okay, well, I'll do people. Um I think Nick Barron uh <clears throat> was a big a uh, you know, a pillar for Buffalo. Uh he did third party records, um sang for Half Mass, sang for uh No Time Left. Um put out a lot of those early you know, Buffalo straight edge bands, like, you know, even demos before that, um, he released, uh, I think he would be, uh, on my, uh, one of the, one of the faces on my Mount Rushmore, uh, Vogel, of course. Um, I mean, what needs to be said about that, <laughs> you know, um, let's see who else would be on there. Um, Mark Miller. You know, he does, he uh, did HMNI, HMNI 
uh, zine, takes all the photos of all the bands. Uh, now does the NCS podcast. Uh, and he's also, I think he's coming out with a book too, a, a photo book at some point. Um, how many of that? That's three people so far. Um, Scott Sprigg, um, a lot of those uh, BXO shows he did earlier on, like, um, you know, first time seeing Lifetime. I think he did the first Integrity show that I saw. He uh, did the Slugfest reunion show. Um, and he's in bands too, but I think his uh, shows made more of an impact on me as a kid so that's a big one um i think that's four yeah i think that's yeah it's four is that yeah that's enough right yeah. <laughs> that's uh sprigs definitely that's the first time somebody's mentioned him but that's a good one and and i those shows were very influential i mean i mean i've talked about it i'm here at length like i'm 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 not positive but i'm guessing he's the one that put on that new year's eve 96 97 yeah with, like despair battery and all those bands that show play yeah hey you went to that show right yeah, I didn't know anybody at the time. Though my my sister was just randomly going to Buffalo for New Year's Eve that night, and she dropped me off at the show. So I was just there by myself the whole time as like a fifteen year old kid, you know. So yeah, I was there do though. Yeah. Do you remember all the bands that played? The, I I got there late. I think I I either got there oh, okay. during Union or after Union, or no, I, I might oh. have even gotten there during Battery. So the, I think the only bands that I saw were Battery, Despair, and maybe one other band. Um, I, I honestly don't remember who else played that show though, because I got there so late. Cause my yeah, sister, like yeah. I said, my sister randomly just said that night. She was like, Oh, we're going to Buffalo. And I was like, Oh, despair's playing there. Can you drop, you know what I mean? Cause I, I like, just like, there's no way she'd really drop me off. And she did, but then I had to wait. Cause they were at like some comedy club and those things don't close till Buffalo's open till like four, you know? So yeah, yeah. I didn't stay yeah, that exactly. long, but that show got out like not long after I think despair might've been the last band that played. So I was like sitting there in the, the little area of Showplace theater, just kind of waiting for the, like my sister to get there and she didn't get there until really i think i had to wait in somebody's car that i didn't even know for like yeah hour. That was, you know it was crazy but that was a good we were at that show or yeah that was definitely at this show that show was awesome i was just trying to get to the bottom of something because i i swear endeavor played that show and uh they weren't on the flyer but like me and one other person like got an argument with mike mike jeffers about them playing i'm like dude i know they played yeah. <laughs> I know Hex and I talked about it on his episode. I think the next day in Syracuse, they would might have been the New Year's Day show that they played where there's a picture of him. It's on the cover of an Endeavor CD. And I know it's from a New Year's Day Syracuse show. I'm just not sure if it's from that year or the year after, but I want to say that it was 97. So that would make yeah. sense that they would have played there the day. I, again, though, I got there really late, so I don't really know. You know, I'm right, right, right. Anymore. I'm not trying to get any more uh, Mike Jeffers beef after the shit with Bill Page and, and New <laughs> last year with the uh, – the Bob, the Bob, uh, controversy. Oh, it's not a controversy oh, yeah. at all, obviously, because as far as I know, still Mike's the only one that calls him Bob. So, uh, Mike, Mike and Sandy are the only ones that call him Bob. All right, so there's one <laughs> of that. You yeah, know, technically. Mike and Mike, Mike and his wife. Yeah, now it's... semantics. We're talking basically at that point. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sprig definitely did a lot of cool shows earlier. I mean, like the first yeah. time I saw Lifetime, and. I'm pretty sure he did the first time I saw Integrity at Showplace with uh, Turmoil. And uh, I want to say Pride played as well. Probably Union because uh, Spriggs Band. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of cool shows. And that was like 
you know, 94, 95 era, probably, probably more like 95. And that's when I was going head first into everything, you know, I, you know, I, I love despair. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite Vogel band. And, uh, that New Year's show, I, yeah, like you said, they played, they headlined it and, uh, you know, they did the countdown at like one in the morning or something like that. Yeah, later, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Hardcore time though, right? So it was probably on yeah. time for that. You know what I mean? And, oh, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on air before. And if I have, I don't really care. I'll tell it again. Uh, Steve Titus, I did not know at the time, but I, I, you know, you would like, I recognized him every time I saw him until I finally like introduced myself and started talking to him. Cause you know, his face and him like stands out. You'd recognize him every time you saw yeah. him. So he yeah. was like moshing or whatever. And then they did the countdown, like you said, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up. After they did the countdown, I heard him say out loud in the pit or whatever. He was like, yo, one more year of demonstrating my style. <laughs> and now every year on New Year's, I text a couple people that or whatever. And it's like, you know, I t- I've told that to a few people. And, and I, 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 I'm, but I, 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 I'm, I'm 99% sure it was Steve Tyler. But somebody that show definitely said it either way. And I was just like, man, that is one of the most quotable <laughs> things anybody's ever, I've ever heard somebody say at a hardcore show, you know? Um, it, it, it probably was him. I, I can't see, I can definitely see him saying it. And I can't see it being anyone else, really. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Titus, Titus is a good dude, though. Shout out to Titus. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I uh, I worked with them for a while, like a few years back. He was working oh, really? at. Yeah. Is he still but, doing uh, all the, the powerlifting and shit, or? You see, and that's not like that's all he does now is coach that. Oh really? Uh, yeah, he owns his own gym and he coaches uh, powerlifting, like Olympic oh. powerlifting. Yeah. Is that yeah. where you worked with him at? What are the gyms? No, no, he worked at a restaurant. He only worked a couple days. I, I um. Actually, I didn't work at the restaurant at the time. I worked for the same owner at a different business. But uh, yeah, I I see him at, like almost every day he works. So I think the last time I saw Titus was actually probably the last time I saw you at that uh, judge show in Buffalo like five years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah, that show was that show was dope. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good time. That I, as I've mentioned on here a few times with with getting sick around like people at shows, I definitely got sick like a couple of days after that show too. It was just uh, <laughs> yeah yeah mess inside a club packed full of people you know but it was worth it you know saw judge and you know yeah uh, i never thought i'd be able to see judge that i mean i didn't go to any of the new york reunion show or anything i didn't think they'd tour or anything so it was pretty cool being able to see that and you know even uh i like world be free quite a bit and uh you know all the other bands that play black x play too and yeah it was that was a cool show yeah, definitely. I think I even had a ticket to that New York City show, but it didn't like something something didn't work out. Obviously, I didn't go. But that that's happened a few times, like in my older years, like buying tickets for shows further away and not being able to, right or whatever. You, you get excited when the when the show gets announced, and then you're like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to go to to Philadelphia for four days for this festival or whatever. And then you know, sell the tickets or I think yeah. I might have even sold tickets to Alex Byrne one year for this is hardcore, like to one of his buddies or whatever, like Makes like ten, 10 or so years ago. Yeah. Yeah, he'll go anywhere for a show. So yeah. Yeah, I, I remember like when I first found that that hate five six thing or whatever. I was watching like a bunch of videos like ten years ago, and he was in like half of them or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, they're they're like in like a bunch of different places too. Yeah. So uh, I think we pretty much covered all the current stuff. Is there anything else current going on that that you can think of that we didn't really touch on or anything? Uh, you know, there's nothing nothing really new. Um, aside from 
me still doing old ghosts. That's the only thing I got really going on uh, as far as hardcore, you know? Um, so, like, I guess anything else coming up? I mean, obviously, the, the like, what where, where where can people find the podcast and like anything else you want to promote with like the label or anything like that? Yeah, um, I'm not sure the exact websites or anything, but you know, you search Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. Um, uh, we're uh, you know, every week we got a new episode up. Um, we have some cool stuff coming up too. Um, what else? Uh, Old Ghost is uh. On Instagram, I believe it's oldgo716 is the handle. And, uh, you know, that's our last record, Crow, is on uh, all streaming platforms if you want to check it out. And also, we have records and shit for sale at State of Mind Records. If you feel like picking up an LP or something. Cool, yeah, I'll link all the the, uh, stuff in the... You know the, the description of the episode too, so people can obviously find uh, the stuff pretty easily there too. Yeah, uh, that, our split that came out um, is a benefit for a hundred for Haiti too, and there's a couple copies left of that if you uh, want to check that out. It, it, all the all the all the money goes towards one hundred for one hundred for a Haiti, uh, which is you know uh, you know the hurricane relief fund, and uh, they you know put in wells and they uh, build roofs for uh people and build new hot or houses and stuff so it's definitely a cool uh you know benefit so that, and that's also uh ran by greg from trial and bystander so yeah 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 it's yeah. really cool that you guys did that we'll make sure we link all that and if people are able to check that out obviously to, to look more into that yeah um all right so i guess that pretty much wraps up the episode then uh, i want to thank derek for doing the interview uh, the next couple episodes will feature uh, Joey from Irish Voodoo Records, uh, Billy on Fire 20-year tour anniversary, uh, Benny Kruger, Aiden and Jim from Borrow Time, and uh, we'll have a bunch of other stuff coming up too. So just make sure you check us out on Instagram, Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, and uh, follow us on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. Thanks again, everybody, and stay safe.